Welcome to Great Loop Radio, brought to you by America's Great Loop Cruisers Association. We're dedicated to sharing Great Loop information and inspiration with those actively cruising, planning for, or dreaming about a Great Loop adventure. This is Kim Russo. I'm the director of AGLCA. Today, my guest is Dave Fuller, and Dave is a gold looper who is going to talk to us a little bit today about Florida's East Coast. So as the winter starts to continue on and, and loopers start to make their way northward, we'll be presenting some of the information you'll need to do that. But before I bring in Dave, I want to take a quick moment to recognize and thank our Admiral sponsors who support AGLCA at the highest level. They are Beneteau. Curtis Stokes and Associates, Dog River Marina, Passage Maker Trawler Fest, Skipper Bob Publications, and Waterway Guide Media. We encourage all of our listeners to support these businesses that support the Great Loop. Dave Fuller, thank you for joining me today. We appreciate it. Hey, how are you today, Kim? I am doing great, thanks. How are you? Great. So I don't think I mentioned in the intro that you're actually one of our gold loopers who has some extensive experience in this particular area. But let's start. Just give us a little bit about your general cruising experience and your great loop. All right. Well, we uh, started our first loop in June of 2015. Uh, We sold our house and moved aboard. So we've been living aboard since June of 2015. And uh, we launched went uh, that loop up the east coast when we got to canada we did the st lawrence seaway ottawa river poked around up in canada for a while did stick our nose in lake superior and then down the inland rivers some side trips that first loop we did the st john's river Albemarle sound uh, i went up to washington dc philadelphia i mentioned through st marie there on Lake Superior, did the inland rivers to Nashville, up to Knoxville. And uh, so I think we did 9,500 miles on our first loop. And we like, we like to linger and do side trips. We got done in February of 2017 and immediately launched our platinum loop. Mm-hmm. And so, so in our platinum loop, we went back around, did uh, the Keys, the Bahamas, did the Western Erie, and then actually went up to uh, Minneapolis, St. Paul, up the upper Mississippi, and then back down. We're laying in Dunedin right now, five travel days away from our platinum loop. Wow, very nice. Tell us about a little bit about your boat. Uh, we have a 43-foot Viking, an aft cabin cruiser. Uh, it's built on the Sport Fisher platform, but instead of a cockpit in the back, they put an aft cabin back there. And you have actually done the Atlantic Intracoastal Waterway in this part of Florida several times, correct? Uh, probably five. I'm trying to think up and down at least five times now. Okay, well, great. So today we're just going to cover a little bit of an overview of the route from the Keys to Jacksonville. Of course, we've got roughly 30 minutes, and that's a lot of ground to cover in that amount of time. So this is going to be a little bit of a high level For those of you who are looking for more information, Dave is actually presenting on this topic, I believe, for 90 minutes at the upcoming Looperpalooza. Um, So that's always an option if you are interested in this particular area and more detail about it. So, Dave, like I said, we're kind of taking this from the high level, but let's start as loopers or other boaters are leaving the Keys. What's kind of their first recommended stop once they're out of the Keys? Well, if you're coming up out of the Keys, obviously the first place you're going to land is Miami. 
And Miami's part of what they call the Gold Coast. Uh, basically, it's given that name because of all the multi-million dollar mansions. So in that Gold Coast area, you have Miami, Fort Lauderdale. We like to stop at Lake Boca Raton. And then on Lake Worth, there's West Palm Beach. And so if you're into the rich and famous and rubbing elbows with them, you know, you can stay uh, there by South Beach or Miami Beach. Uh, we tend to anchor, though, in a place called the Miami Marine Stadium. This is a place to stop overnight and keep going. It gives you a good view of downtown at night. But uh, hanging out in Miami is not my deal. Hmm. And we do like Fort Lauderdale, though. And so we we motor on up to Fort Lauderdale and linger there up on the uh, New River. like that a lot better. Uh, the and New River. Have... Sorry, it's just ahead. a comment about the Marine Stadium. That's where they hold the Miami Boat Show now, isn't it? Yeah, the, uh, it's there, and this year it's going to be, I think it's February 14th through the 18th. So they will start setting up in there before that, and then, you know, obviously taking it down after that. So kind of mid-February is when the Miami Boat Show is. And does that have any effect on the anchorage? Is the anchorage still open during the show? Uh, it's going to be pretty much clogged up with the boat show. Okay, good to know. So uh, f- for your purposes, you typically anchor out, get that beautiful view of the Miami skyline, and then you head to the New River. Um, lots of, of dining and shopping opportunities there in Fort Lauderdale, correct? Tons of things to do in Fort Lauderdale, lots of places to eat, lots of things to see and do. Uh, probably the neatest thing about that New River is you're right on the edge of the, the river at the Municipal Marina, and you'll watch uh, 100-foot yachts come up and down the river being towed. And it's pretty amazing to watch that. The uh, oldest house there in Fort Lauderdale is on the beach there, Stranahan House. There's an antique car show museum you can see, and the Los Olives Boulevard is a shopper's haven. Mm-hmm. Um, any favorites particular do you typically anchor when you're there in Lauderdale, or do you typically pull into a marina? We stay there at the municipal marina right there on the river on the side. Mm-hmm. Okay. And for you, how many days do you typically stop in Fort Lauderdale or is it just an overnighter? We, you know, the first time through we stayed two or three days because there's just so much to see and do. Okay, perfect. So we're continuing then up the Gold Coast. Um, what would be the next typical stop for a looper? From there, it's only thir- or about 20 miles, I think, to Lake Boca Raton. But because of all, it's a narrow canal, but it's all those houses, all no weight zone and lots of bridges. If you're under 19 feet, the bridges aren't that big a deal. There's only two of them you've got to open. But even with only two bridges, though, it's no weight most of that way. So even though it's only 20 miles to Boca Raton, it's still a four or five hour trip. So we usually drop the anchor in Lake Boca Raton. It's kind of like the Bahamas or the Keys water, just beautiful there. And then from there, we would just go on up in another 25 miles to the Lake Worth where you can see uh, West Palm Beach, or go all the way to the end north of uh, Lake Worth to Old Port Cove Marina, and then you can anchor anywhere in you want in Lake Worth. Mm-hmm. They're all good places. I'm glad you mentioned uh, the bridges, Dave, along the Gold Coast here, because there really are several of them, and depending on the height of your bridge, as you said. Um, do they typically open on a specific schedule, or is it on request? So the ones that, if you're under 20 feet, the bridges are all going to be on uh, schedule. 
and they do have them set up where they're either on the hour or half hour or they're quarter hour and three quarters hour. And because of the spacing, uh, you can make them, you know, if you keep going at the right speed, set your speed and you can just make bridge to bridge to bridge and you really don't have to wait. Okay, so it's it's a little bit of a slow day through there, but not not strictly because of the bridges, also because of all of the waterfront development that creates the no wake zones. That is correct. I guess okay. another thing about the bridges there, mm -hmm. when you when you first come into Lake Worth, where uh, on the south end there, before you get to West Palm Beach, our president has his resort there. But when you reach the southern bridge, uh, I think that's that mile. I'm trying to remember. Uh, like a thousand something uh, but when you get to the southern bridge uh, it's a thousand twenty five you'll get to this southern bridge you go through it and you want to stay always want to stay in the channel then you'll go up to the royal park bridge and it's only two more miles and then past the royal park bridge it's one more mile and you get to the flagler memorial bridge so you stay in the channel it's not a big deal if the president's in town, you still stay in the channel and it's not a big deal. But for some strange reason, if the president's coming over the bridge and you're waiting for your bridge opening, you're going to take second place and the president's <laughs> going to go over the bridge. So, I guess I can understand that. <laughs> <laughs> so all three of those bridges, though, are designated as travel paths from the, the airport over to the uh, resort. So in those three bridges, you may have to wait for the dignitaries to go by, and then you get your bridge opening. The other thing to think about there, again, you want to stay in the channel. If you if the president's in town or dignitaries are in town and you decide to get off the channel for a photo walk, and the water is pretty shallow between the channel and the land, but if you head over there, you're probably going to be greeted by the Coast Guard and a 50 cal machine gun, and they're going to coax you back to the channel. Good advice. <laughs> Stay in the channel there. Dave, in this area, uh, particularly, I guess, with some of our boats that have a, a taller air draft uh, sailboats in particular, what's been your experience? Do some of them choose to go on the outside so that they don't have to worry about the bridges as much and, and not even the, the no-wake zones either? Uh, the people that I know in sailboats do that, for example, from Fort Lauderdale to Lake Boca Raton, just that uh, 20 miles, it's like eight bridges they'd have to get open that are in the 20 to 25 foot range. So it makes it kind of a long day for them. Mm -hmm. So they do a lot to go outside. And plenty of inlets there then for them to go in and out of if they choose to travel on the outside in that area. Correct. Okay, perfect. Anything else we need to know about the Gold Coast before we continue north? I think that's pretty it. That's good there. Okay. So following that um, is what's known as the Treasure Coast, correct? That's correct. And uh, in the Treasure Coast, the uh, places that you know, you'll know come up out of um, from um, West Palm Beach is Stewart. It's about 34 miles from West Palm Beach. Fort Pierce is another place. It's 17 miles north of Stewart. And then Vero Beach is just 13 miles north of uh, Fort Pierce. Uh, and then Stewart would also be where people are coming across from Lake Okeechobee. That's where the routes will meet up there. And we like to stay at a place at the Marriott Hotel, but it's called the Hutchinson uh, Resort. You get all of the hotel amenities. There's golf course, tennis courts. Uh, there's an easy provisioning place there. 
And uh, the other thing that's neat to go look at is there's a house of refuge at Gilbert's Bar. And it's uh, an easy bicycle ride. It might be a couple of miles walk. But uh, from there, it's the only uh, Coast Guard refuge house left in Florida where they used to go rescue boaters. It's pretty neat to go experience. Hmm, that is neat. I wasn't aware of that. So some of our listeners who have been to Trawler Fest uh, probably are familiar with Hutchinson Island Marriott there because that's where they've held it the past few years. Um, do you have any recollection, Dave, of what the dockage fee is there, considering all the amenities? I think, I think it was, if I remember right, it's right around either $2 or maybe 2 and a quarter, somewhere right in that range. Really not bad, especially for Florida. <laughs> so sounds right. like a great stop. Um, so you mentioned Stewart, and you mentioned that's where those that are coming across the Okeechobee would, would be joining this little tour we're taking now. Um, did you and Claudia do the Bahamas when you did your, your either of your passes through there? Yeah, we've been over to the Bahamas. We actually launched from Fort Lauderdale, but we came back in at the Stewart Inlet. Okay, so there may be other members who are coming back from the Bahamas and picking up the route here, or possibly even some using Stewart or Fort Pierce or Fort Lauderdale as their jumping off point. And on next week's Great Loop Radio, we're going to cover um, going to the Bahamas. So for those of you who are kind of wondering how that fits into this piece Dave is telling us today, we'll be covering that, some more of that next week. So Dave, uh, go ahead, tell us a little bit more about the next stops on the Treasure Coast. Yeah. Real quickly, though, if, if staying at that Marriott's not your thing, right before you get to the inlet is Peck Lake. There's a good anchorage there that is a great spot we've stayed at. And just north of that Marriott, there's a bridge, and then there's a second bridge. And we you can anchor on both sides of that bridge. It's Jensen Beach. And uh, there is a pretty neat little restaurant you can dingy over to. I think it was called Conch Joe's Conks or Conch Joe's, but it was pretty neat good place but again heading on up to fort pierce 17 miles north of stewart and then barrel beach is only 13 miles so you may only want to go to one of these two places maybe not both but uh they're both neat neat in their own right but uh if you go to fort pierce there's a municipal marina uh good restaurants they do have a uh, farmer's market on saturdays uh, the one thing about that municipal marina, a lot of people seem to have problems with the power. And so uh, we're one of those, when we hook in, it trips the shore power right away. Across the ICW from there is a brand new marina called Causeway Cove. We've stayed at both of these places. And for some reason, that brand new marina, we don't have a problem. So you can plug in there, no issues. If you go to Causeway Cove, there is a little uh, county aquarium and a history museum that's pretty neat. That's just across the road from it. But probably for me, the best thing to do, whether you go to the Municipal or to Causeway Cove, is the Navy SEAL Museum. And then there's a McClarty Treasure Museum. You might have to rent a car. If, it's probably five or seven miles by a bicycle to go visit both of those places. And that Treasure Museum it answers the question, why is this called the Treasure Coast? Mm-hmm. Wonderful. And, and oh, go ahead. No, go ahead, Dave. Uh, at Vero Beach, the other thing that's kind of interesting, you don't have to wait for New York City to go to a nice play. Uh, there's a Riverside Theater in Vero Beach, and believe it or not, it's Florida's largest professional theater. They do have this It's season right now, in season, and uh, they have shows there all the way, I know, through March, and I think they go through April. So you could go to their, their website and uh, – Stop at Vero Beach and catch a play. 
at Vero Beach is actually also a, a pretty popular place for blue water cruisers to kind of hang out at certain times of the year. So if you're considering that as a potential next adventure, you can certainly find some in Vero Beach and pick their brains a little bit as well. Um, anything else on the Treasure Coast, Dave, that we should make sure we our listeners know about? No, I think that's it for me. Okay. Um, we're going to take a quick break and play a message from one of our sponsors. When we come back, we will continue northward on the Atlantic ICW through Florida. Back in a moment. AGLCA Admiral-sponsored Dog River Marina is located at the mouth of the Tentom Waterway in Mobile, Alabama, only 22 miles from the Gulf of Mexico. The marina encompasses 95 slips, 80 of which are sheltered. They offer a ship store, courtesy car, rental cars, 24-hour guard service, and shore power. The complex's full-service repair facility is staffed with highly trained personnel to handle everything from simple repairs to complex overhauls. For more information, visit www.dogriver.com. We're back on Great Loop Radio. My guest today is soon-to-be Platinum Looper, Dave Fuller. And Dave is sharing with us some of his favorite stops and uh, places to see and things to do along Florida's east coast. So we've kind of covered the southern part. Right when we went to the break, we were moving into what is known as the Space Coast. And I think most people probably know why that's called the Space Coast, but why don't you go ahead and fill us in on it, Dave? Well, you know, our uh, one of our presidents in 1960 gave us a mission to make it to the moon, and so we call that the Kennedy, the Kennedy Space Center now. And so uh, where NASA hangs out, so Cape Canaveral and uh, – Areas along this place for us would be Cocoa, Titusville, New Smyrna Beach, and Daytona Beach, kind of are the four places to see and do here. Uh, as far as for us at Cocoa Village and Titusville, you know, if, if time is a, an issue, you might just go to one of those two places. And for me, if I was going to pick one or the other, I'd probably go to Titusville. Uh, the reason for that is at Titusville, within uh, two blocks of the marina, there's a uh, space view park. The park was actually damaged by the a hurricane that went through there. But a lot of people, it's just directly across from the launch sites. And uh, But it does have a, a lot of outdoor memorials to, for the Gemini and Mercury programs to see, which I think is pretty neat. And then I would suggest you rent a car, go over to Cape Canaveral, visit the Space Center, they do have one of the space shuttles there, and the reveal at the museum when they introduce you to the Atlantis just makes you proud to be an American. It's worth the trip. Yeah. And any um, any thoughts? Have you ever had the opportunity to see a launch, not necessarily of the shuttle since we're not doing that anymore, but um, some of the satellites and launches like that from the Titusville area? Yeah, we've actually seen three launches since we've been on board. So uh, we saw the first one from Coco. It was pretty neat. They they showed the video or the TV, so you can watch the TV and see the shot. We've actually anchored there by the bridge one night, watched a nice shot, and then from Titusville we've seen a shot go up. So, uh, and just so you know, there is one launch in January. It's January 17th. There's one in February, February 28th, and one in March, but they don't have the date yet. So, uh, opportunities for people to see a launch. Great thing to see, and thank you for having those dates, Dave. I know you can also find them if, if people are coming through more in the March time frame, or sometimes, of course, there's delays um, 
you can Google that and there's a NASA website that has all of the, the launches that are coming up. So definitely, if you possibly can, try and time your trip so that you can catch one of those because it really is a spectacular sight. Um, how many days would you say, Dave, would people want to spend on the Space Coast? Um, given, you know, everybody's tastes, of course, and travel speed are different, but roughly how many days would you say it would take to do that portion of the route? Well, for for that, you know, to get there, uh, you know, a day to travel, and then it's at least a day over to the Space Center, and maybe another day just sort of looking around uh, mm-hmm. the, the town. So I would say two or three days as a, okay. at least. Okay. And then the other thing that's there is only about an hour away, but uh, if you're going to be that close, it is a magical place in the middle of the state there and go see the, the Magic Kingdom. Uh-huh. <laughs> We've had some of our Looper families, of course, make that inland trek a little bit and um, asked one of the Looper kids what their favorite stop on the loop was, and that was their answer, which was probably the first time I had heard Disney World is the best stop on the loop, but it certainly applies if you're going to take that hour or so drive inland. Yeah, I think it's the closest place on the loop. So it's only about an hour from mm-hmm. Titusville. Okay, great. Uh, anything right. else about the Space Coast we need to know? Well, if you keep going, it's 32 miles to New Smyrna Beach. It's just another small community. It's an artsy community, a lot of art galleries. And then 16 more miles will get you to Daytona Beach. And uh, this year, the the race that kicks off the the racing season, Daytona 500, February 17th, if you're into that. The, um, it also has the Motorsports Hall of Fame is there, and obviously Daytona Beach are all big draws. There is a marina there uh, over on the port side of the ICW. We've never stayed there. We typically just anchor out by one of the bridges and just hang out and keep going. Mm-hmm. Okay. So lots to see and do. Um, lots of uh towns and ports in pretty close proximity so I guess this is an area where you might have to do a little picking and choosing or allow plenty of time and have some very short travel days. That's correct. Okay and then the final piece if you will of this segment we're talking about today is um, what's called the first coast and I guess basically Dave that starts a little bit north of uh, Daytona and kind of goes to the Georgia line. Correct. Yeah. So in this area, when you leave Daytona Beach, it's about 28 miles to a place called Palm Palm Coast, and then 25 miles from there to St. Augustine, and then 30 miles to Jacksonville. And I would suggest people stop at Palm Coast. There's three marinas that you can choose from, and there's places to anchor also. Uh, But one of those marinas is called Hammock Beach Resort. It's another resort area. Uh, You can stop there. You can uh, stay uh, in the marina, but they'll have a van to come pick you up. The resort's actually a couple of miles north, but at that uh, resort, it's golf, tennis, uh, swimming pools galore, a hot tub that's probably twice the size of most people's backyard swimming pool, they have an indoor pool, tennis, uh, table tennis, pool tables, you name it, they got it. Uh, and then the other place is seven miles north of that's a place called Marineland Marina. I think I can't remember if you stay two days or three days, but it may be just two. You get free entrance to Marineland, which is the very first, they call it an aqua marina, where they used to do dolphin shows. They actually don't do shows anymore, but they do still train dolphins. You can interact with the dolphins. Uh, they got sea turtles there, and they've got some uh, sharks there. So it's kind of a neat place. 
But the the real reason I suggest you lay up at one of those couple of places, though, is so the next day when you get to St. Augustine, you can time your arrival. At St. Augustine, you get quite a bit of current coming, ripping through there, can make docking a real hazard. And so since it, if you stop at one of these places, it's only 25 miles to St. Augustine, you can time your arrival at either high tide or low tide. And I talked to the marina this morning, and they said an hour either side of a high tide or an hour either side of low tide is when you have slack current. And it makes getting in there a whole lot easier. So I would suggest lay up, figure out when high and low tide is, and time your arrival at St. Augustine accordingly. That's great advice, um, because here in Charleston, we have that same issue with currents. And even for people who are very familiar with the area and the docks and the currents that come through, it can be very challenging to dock. And, and most of the locals also plan their coming and going from the dock for slack current. Um, so for those of our members who this is kind of their first time in, in areas with lots of current, if they're coming from the lakes, great advice to try and arrive when it's not going to be ripping through there quite as quickly. Um, and St. Augustine, of course, is another stop where there's lots to do, right? Yeah, St. Augustine, uh, I would say, is probably worthy of a week stop because there is lots to see and do. Uh, my suggestion would be if you go to the municipal marina, there, when you rock, walk off of the dock, there's a little putt-putt golf course, miniature golf course there in a the little building, and you can buy tickets to what they call the Red Train. It's a 90-minute hop-on, hop-off. Hop on the train and don't get off and get the whole lay of the land. It's about a 90-minute ride, and it, it actually has about 20 to 25 stops. But go all the way around, get the whole history, figure out what's going on, and then from there you can figure out where you want to hop on and where you want to hop off. So, uh, But you've got a fort, uh, the oldest school, uh, the the Fountain of Youth, there's chocolate factories, there's distilleries, there's a brewery, uh, there's the Ponce de Leon, there's museums galore. So uh, the other thing about the red train, if you take that, they don't, the train doesn't go over to the lighthouse, but you can get a van to drive you over there and go up and down the lighthouse and look at that area. It's pretty neat. And then they'll also take you to the alligator farm and come pick you back up. And the alligator farm's kind of interesting. They have every species of crocodile and alligator in the world at this place. And that, you can watch them feed them. There's feeding times. They've got other mammal, I mean, other reptiles and birds are in there. And you can also zip line over the alligators if that's your thing. So wow. lots to see and do. <laughs> so probably, yeah, probably um, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say there are lots to see and do, lots of restaurants. But I would say, you know, a week and you still won't do it all. Wow. Okay, great. So probably the last stop then on the uh, First Coast as you're coming through, of course, called the First Coast because St. Augustine is the nation's oldest city, I believe, um, would be Jacksonville is probably your last stop in this area. So any thoughts? We only have a couple minutes left, but any thoughts about Jacksonville and, and a stop in that city? Yeah, what I would say there is Jacksonville, there's a free dock. Uh, go 30 miles north of St. Augustine. Right before you get to the St. John's River, and be in a Pablo Creek. Again, that's a pretty high current area, so you might want to time your arrival there for an ebb and ride the current to get to the St. John's. Another warning is they did move the channel 
on the ICW about a year ago. If you got older charts, your chart's going to be wrong. So honor the markers when you're coming on the south side of the St. Johns River. You go across the river to Leonard Sisters Creek. There's a free dock there. Spend the night on the free dock. The St. Johns River runs south to north, and so it's normally flowing out. And if you have an ebb uh, tide, you're going to be going into the river flow plus the ebb, and you'll be on the slow boat to China trying to get to downtown Jackson. <laughs> okay. So I would say spend the night on the free dock and the time the current with the tide coming in. It's 26 miles to downtown Jacksonville. There's some free docks. There's a couple of marinas. And then you can also go to Ortega Landing, which is a pretty neat. It's about another five miles from downtown. And then there's a couple of good, if you need some work done, Lambs and Huckins are both really good places there. Stay on the, stay there for a few days. If you want to go down the St. John's River, which I would suggest, uh, from Ortega Landing, you'd go to Green Coast Springs, which a lot of people use as their mailing address, mm-hmm. Palatka. Uh, there's some free docks there at Palatka and into Hontoon State Park. And you can either stay at the state park or across the, the water there, a little marina. And then I would suggest you take your dinghy down. You can go all the way around the island. And then there's a Blue Spring State Park. Depending on when you're there, the manatees may still be there. And there'll be 100 manatees in crystal clear water to look at. If you get there a little bit later in the march and past that, the manatees will be gone. And then they allow you to swim in that same water. So I would, you know, so four days from the free dock to downtown, again, to Green Coast Springs, Palatka, to Hontoon, and then a day there to look around and then, you know, four days to get back to the free dock. Yeah, the St. John's River is is certainly one of the more popular side trips because of the wildlife and the the beautiful springs back there. Dave, we're pretty much out of time. Any final thoughts or suggestions that you want to add about the east coast of Florida? I'll just conclude with from Miami to Jacksonville is about 350 miles. So if you are doing the 50 miles a day thing, then that's going to be seven days of travel. You're doing 25 miles a day because a lot of these are really small deals. You can kind of count on 20, uh, 14 days. If you spend a week in St. Augustine, that'd be 21 days. And then a handful of days for seeing other places. You might budget, you know, 25 to 30 days to get from Miami to, to Jacksonville. Great. That's very helpful. And, and especially because it sounds like in this area, there's really something for just about everyone, regardless of what your thing might be. So Dave, we appreciate you sharing that with us. Um, as I said at the beginning, anyone who's looking for more information about this particular area um, is certainly welcome to register for Looperpalooza, which is coming up in about three weeks. The route briefing is on um, the Friday of the Looperpalooza event, which I believe is January 25th, if I'm not mistaken. Registration is open for that on the greatloop.org website. And Dave will be presenting for, I believe it's 90 minutes on this exact area that we just covered. Only Could only give you an overview today. So Dave, thank you again for joining us. We appreciate it. All right. You have a great day, Kim. It was a pleasure. Thanks so much. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us. We'll be back next week with another episode of Great Loop Radio. Until then, safe cruising.